From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. When Lorenzo Low Jelks joined WSV-TV as a reporter 52 years ago this summer, viewers didn't actually see him. Meanwhile, the workers are standing pat. They seem to be saying, No union for making this is Low Jelks, WSV News. Jelks's voice was there, his name projected on the screen, but no face, no gold dome nor street scene in the background. It took a concerted and organized effort to get African-American journalists in front of the camera on Atlanta Television News. After Jelks came Jocelyn Dorsey, who became the first black daytime news anchor on an Atlanta station. Monica Kaufman Pearson arrived at WSB three years later, the first woman and first black evening news anchor. Those trailblazers Blazing journalists are among the subjects of a new documentary called Black and Reporting, The Struggle Behind the Lens. Also featured, former WSB reporter Walt Elder, a pioneer in morning headline news. The fact remains that housing discrimination is still prevalent. The question now being asked by those who are mostly discriminated against is, whose responsibility is it to solve this problem? It's generally been left up to the federal government. And Walt Elder joins me now in the studio. A hearty welcome to you, sir. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Thanks for being here. And from behind the camera, we have Tamara Wilson. She wrote, directed, and produced the documentary. Welcome to you. Thank you for having me. Well, the story that gets told in this film, in this documentary, is of people who, like the late civil rights activist Lonnie King, they were pushing uh, Lonnie King reflects in the film about asking the FCC to withhold broadcast licenses of Atlanta's major stations until they open the door to black talent. He then came back to Atlanta and met with representatives of these outlets in January of 1970 and made the case. Here's a clip from the film. In Atlanta, there is no excuse, in my opinion, for not finding qualifiable blacks, whether they're on the air or whether they're behind the camera. I don't think we have to have a genius to run that camera over there. And I'm sure that we've got a lot of English majors in this city who've graduated from these six colleges who can be, who can be just as good as Aubrey Morris over here or some of the other guys. But they need the opportunity. And the only way that we're going to Tamara, how instrumental was this case? Lonnie Key managed to put together a group of people to lead the task. And so he was able to help others you know, like the Jocelyn Dorsleys, the Monica Pearsons, to get into the business. And also behind the scenes. I'm, I'm behind the scenes, so people don't know how much power a producer has in bringing different types of stories to the stations and the way that those stories are reported. He was speaking to the media elite, and he said that there was definitely some resistance. People stood up and said, who are you to tell us what to do? But some, like Don Elliott Heald, let him use the conference room for the meeting. Was this a market decision? Had the time come? You know, if it wasn't for him, I mean, he, he was in charge, and he, he was the one to allow people to come in. He knew it was time. Why not start here in Atlanta? Well, Walt, I'm wondering for you, when you saw people on the street who saw you on television, what was what was the response of people who finally saw a face that looked like them on TV? Oh, they were very, very happy. Even white people. It was a novelty as well as it being a historic change uh, that was taking place uh, in Atlanta. Don Elliott Hill was a visionary. I went from a street reporter to the public affairs director at Channel 2. 
It was all because of him. All along the way, any time I had an idea about something, he signed it. What did you know about WSB TV when that general manager offered you a job? I knew that it was the number one station in Atlanta and in the Southeast. Lorenzo Jeltz was my hero. Mm. He's good, and it was an honor to work with him. You're deeply moved when you're talking about this. We see that in the documentary. What is it? What's it? What is it that's getting stirred in you? It was a different time. Yeah. It was some serious problems back then, and to overcome those problems took a lot of nerve. I thought a journalist has a serious commitment to the community he serves. Because you have to tell that story.、Mm. I'm speaking with Walt Elder, former WSB TV reporter, the first African American on Atlanta morning headline news. He and his trailblazing colleagues are subjects of a new documentary. It's called Black and Reporting: The Struggle Behind the Lens. And filmmaker, writer, producer, director、uh, Tamara Wilson is also with us in the studio. Well, let's hear a little bit. This is Monica Pearson, now co-host of GPB's A Seat at the Table, reflecting on her experiences as a black woman anchor at WSB. I had black people complaining because I wasn't black enough, meaning they wanted me with my afro out to here, big earrings here, and fist in the air. And then there were those who were not happy because I was not known here. Who was this woman? And then you had white people who just felt. It was the spot for white men, and no woman should be on the air in the six o'clock news, whether she's black or white. And then there were those people who said, "I do not want a black woman at all." For you, Tamara, this is you know the not enoughness. You know, I'm not black enough. I'm not white enough. It feels like that's something I heard over and over again from people. Is it me? Is it my race? Is it me as a person? Is it my work? What What do you think's going on there? It was very important for me to put that statement in from Monica from her interview, because it is an ongoing thing for many people who are not white to be true, but also to report the news or to deliver these stories the way they're supposed to be, and that's all we're trying to do. But you get criticized on both sides, and sometimes it can be a little difficult. But just listening to their stories and how they just. Rose above it、mm-hmm. and kept going, and like I said, that there are the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing. People, especially young people, can learn that these are the things that have happened. There may be similar things that are happening today, but in a different way. But you know, there's ways you can handle it. There's ways you can rise above it. There's ways that you can address it, if you will, to the people that are actually doing it to you. Well, what role was having African Americans in the media playing that white-only media did not? One, a lot of our stories weren't being told, and if they were told, they were told in a not so glamorous way, or they only told the negative things. But when you're only telling the Bad things in one community, people see to see them that way—that they're savages or they're killers or they're murderers or they have this disease or what have you. So when you bring in other people、um, of different races to tell these various stories, you get a different take on it, and you will find some positive things.、Mm. I've been wondering for you, Walt, looking back at yourself. Then, do you feel like ah, I, you know, I should have been more radical. I should have pushed harder, or or do you, <laughs> you know, do you feel it? With that, there are ways you can be radical, but if you want a job 
and you want to use that Platform. outlet. I used to do a lot of stories that never would have been done if I didn't do the story. There are different ways to be radical, but you can't be radical and make your and let your enemies win. So you were stealthily getting your message across. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That was a strategy. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Without a doubt. For instance, now a lot of people may not not like what I'm saying, but the first real anchors, so to speak, were black women. And I think, well, I know that that was a strategic move on the part of the powers that be because they knew that they would be more acceptable, even though what Monica said was quite true, mm -hmm. you know, at the same time. But they were less threatening, is that what you mean? Yes, without a doubt. If you look at uh, the news now, you don't have many black, uh, black male anchors. Like making a television report, you're creating a narrative arc, right? You're, you've got a beginning, middle, and an end. Exactly. And there is, there's a, you know, your third act, if you will, is this dramatic kind of retelling of things that have happened to reporters while in the field. There is um, a, just a chilling account by Jocelyn Dorsey. She had to cover a campaign event for J.B. Stoner. This was a white supremacist, later convicted of bombing a church, by the way, who ran for governor of Georgia in 1970. Let's hear a little bit of that story. It was on the weekend, and there weren't any other reporters but me. And the assignment editor said, I hate to tell you this, but J.B. Stoner is announcing for governor and we need to have you cover his announcement. It's an FCC requirement. I mean, they went through all this explanation. And I'm like, why are you going through all this explanation? Marietta is much more centrally located than Savannah. I don't uh, care to live in the city of Atlanta because the blacks have taken it over and it's no longer safe for anybody to live in Atlanta. I had no idea what I was walking into. There were banners all over the wall that said, killed the N word, and I was the only black person in there. And as soon as I walked in, the crowd just started roaring, you know, get her out of here, and shouting obscenities. I was scared. I remember a woman saying, you know, you need to get her out of here. We're going to get sickle cell anemia. And I started laughing because I couldn't believe the ignorance. And that was the wrong thing to do. I mean... Walt, did you ever feel threatened when you were covering stories? White people were not used to seeing, quote-unquote, intelligent black people. You know, you'd say, hello, Meg, I'd like to ask you a few questions. Well, who the hell do you think you are in, you know? <laughs> See, I'm a reporter with Channel 2, and I'm trying to give you an opportunity to present your wonderful story. Huh? <laughs> you know, so you had to play them. In some places that you went into, you could tell as you was driving up, you needed to turn around. What, like outside of Atlanta or in the city? Mostly outside of Atlanta, but believe me, Atlanta was just as racist in its own way. You know, um, and you could tell when you're talking to somebody how all of a sudden their eyes get big, they start getting red. <laughs> You say to yourself, this person is transforming into something that he may not be able to control himself. So when I'd go into a story, I tell the cameraman, turn the camera on. Keep it on all the time. 
Because the thing was, is I wanted to be, if you couldn't see it, I want you to hear it. What we were being, what we were up against sometimes. And those things would be put in stories and sometimes people wouldn't believe it. Is that tomorrow something that you saw over and over again? Yeah, it just it just cut deep. Because I don't know, I was, I was telling them earlier, I'm like, you guys were built differently. I would have ran out there so quick. I just couldn't imagine being put in that situation. They, you tough. all she were. Was, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you all were. Can you, can you own that, Walt? Right. Well, we had a job to do. Somebody had to do it. Are you just being humble, or is this too too hard to touch? Well, some of it is, but uh, I, I think I just, thought it was a great opportunity. Just having you out in the field is vulnerable, right? Um, just like Emmanuel um, said, Hall said, it's like you never know when a brick's going to be flying your way, just for no reason. You had nothing to do with the story, just mean people out there. So for me, Mr. Elder, I what? bow down. I bow down to you. I mean, it's all kinds of things. You know, I come from a different time, you know. So uh, I was shot at two times growing up in Atlanta. And I never thought I would end up living here. But I traveled around the country, around the world, and I decided to come back home and things were changing. Atlanta was very cliquish. I mean, seriously cliquish, you know. If you didn't come from a certain background and things that I thought held Atlanta back still do, you know, but for the most part, uh, Atlanta was a unique uh, southern city. So what does it mean for you to share these kind of stories to the audience today? I think people need to know where things come from. They need to have a relationship to the people that did it, if they can, if they have that opportunity. And I think what Tomorrow and the uh, Atlanta Associate of Black Journalists has done is say, if you don't know how this started, go to a black school somewhere, watch this documentary, listen to these people. This will give you some sort of, of feeling for it. The thing that gets me about Lo Jelks, I always loved his delivery and his voice. Tell me, can you do a Lo Jelks imitation? No. <laughs> no. It's so smooth, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to work with him. Hey, he taught me a lot when I went, because, you know, um, a lot of stuff you had to learn on your own. Tomorrow, however, you are now a production manager and producer at CNN. Mm-hmm. Now, CNN has come under some criticism for not having people on air who reflect its viewership uh, as well as they should. So why is it important now that people of color, producers, anchors, writers... Why then? Why now? Why not? We're here. We know what we're doing. We know how to tell the stories fairly. Society should want to see different people on air. Um, And it's not just the organization itself, but it's the people who are watching it. And, And like I said, the power of producer, we help bring stories to our viewers. And a producer is in charge. It's not all about who's on the air. It's really more about who's behind the scenes. I write the scripts for the part, the talent that I'm working for. I'm setting up the shoots and everything, and I know what kind of tone I want to set. But you don't want to make anyone upset. And it was very important for me to carefully tell their stories. But the things that happened, happened. The way you felt, that's how you felt. 
a lot of our history is, is getting lost or just not being taught. This was an opportunity for me to share some of the struggles that have happened. There are different ones today, but we can overcome, so to speak. I know that's cliche, but... How about shall? Yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Tamara Wilson, I want to thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you. Tamara wrote, produced, and directed the new documentary, Black and Reporting, The Struggle Behind the Lens. And Walt Elder, what a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Walt, former WSB-TV reporter featured in the documentary. There's a link to watch the documentary at gpbnews.org. You won't regret it. On Second Thought is produced by Amelia Brock, Leighton Rowell, and the Raven Taylor. Jesse Nicewanger is our engineer. Our interns are Allison Krausman and Jake Troyer. Don Smith, our Dean of Grammar. Amy Kiley is senior producer. And Sarah Shariari is managing editor of GPB News. I'm Virginia Prescott. Thanks so much for spending some time with us. This is On Second Thought. <laughs>